Are we there yet? Part three. Some of you are thinking, golly, are we ever going to get to the end of this sermon? It's the sermon that keeps on giving. But there is still yet more to be said, I believe, at least a little more to be said on what we've talked about the last two Sundays. And since we have shoebox stuff coming up next Sunday and revival the next, I didn't want to wait. I wanted while these things that we've been discussing were fresh on our minds, I wanted us to continue on and maybe maybe put a little sharper point on some of the things that we've talked about the last two Sundays. So we will be tonight in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. And Lord willing, this will, this will finish up this, this three-part sermon that we've been on for the last few weeks. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. If you're flipping to that and you want to slip a finger in Philippians, if you happen to be passing by or you've got a second, you may want to stick a finger in Philippians chapter 1. We'll flip there and read a couple of verses. Those books aren't too far apart. They're they're somewhat close together. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. That's where we will start. What kind of got us here, for those of you that may, if you hadn't been here the last couple of weeks, just a recap. We started uh, in Mark chapter 3, and we we talked about where Jesus' friends and family and those belonging to him I thought he was out of his mind because of the things that were going on, the ministry that was taking place and the crowds that were coming and all that was going on. And we talked about the fact that sometimes if we live the way Jesus lived, that others may look at us and think that we're out of our mind too. Even other brothers and sisters in Christ who are within the church may look at us. And we talked about what it means to really live for Jesus and how a lot of times what Jesus calls us to do is crazy compared to what the world says and and sadly compared to sometimes what other Christians may think. And Jesus calls us maybe to more than we want to admit or maybe more than we realize. And we talked about a little bit Sunday, uh, the wealth that we have and the blessings that we have and do we always do what we can with what we have or do we spend too much time uh, using what God has blessed us with on ourselves rather than doing what he calls us to do. Sometimes we justify and say, well, I do this and I do this. And instead of looking at what maybe we can do, we look at what we have done and we say, well, God, I've done this and I've done that and I've done that. But what if we could do more? What if we started looking at our life and the way we live, not on what we do, but what else we could do? Now, I'm not trying to guilt anyone or make someone feel ashamed. You may very well reflect on your life and seek the Lord and read the Word, and you may come to the conclusion, in all earnestness, the Spirit may reveal to you you're doing what I've called you to do, and, and, and just keep doing what you're doing. There may be others of us, though, that look at our life and say, boy, I've really dropped the ball. There may be more than I can do. I may be trying to justify my lack of doing by saying, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done the other, so isn't that enough? Uh, But I think what's enough is what we can do. Now, I told you guys Sunday that these passages, as I've read through and studied the last few months and a couple of weeks in particular, boy, they've really convicted me 
and hit close to home because it, it reveals things to me that, that, that aren't right, that God's working on me. So y'all pray for me and I'll pray for y'all because perhaps he's working on you in some of the same ways. And so that's kind of a recap of what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. And we are kind of continuing down that same line of thought tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what credit is there if you sin and are punished and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in His steps. Let's pray. God, I pray that you just let the Holy Spirit work in this place tonight. I pray that you would help me to say what needs to be said, dear Lord, that's from you, and not anything come from my mouth that's from me or of my thoughts, or of my opinions. But God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would open our ears and open our hearts, God, and I pray more than anything that you would help me and that you would help each one in this room and each one in this church, God, to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you help us to see what that example looks like, to see what that example calls us to. And God, if there's something in our heart and in our life that's not right, that shouldn't be there, dear Lord, I pray that you'd convict us and I pray that you would change us. I pray that you would begin to do a work in our life that would draw us to desire you more than anything of this world. Anything that maybe we've put our trust in, God, I pray that we would, we would take it out of it and that we would put it in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we've talked some over the last... Well, I, I actually I bring this up pretty regular. And that is that oftentimes when we read through the New Testament, uh, it, it tells us a hard truth. And that hard truth is, is that we are called to suffer for Christ. Now, uh, there are many times in our life that, that, that maybe we suffer in some way, shape, or form. Now, perhaps some of you have suffered in a great way as some brothers and sisters we've seen in history or maybe others uh, in the world today who are imprisoned and beaten in the same way that Paul are. But generally speaking, our sufferings are fairly, fairly insignificant, at least in comparison to those types of sufferings. But uh, the point is that when we are living for Jesus, it is inevitable that we will suffer. We will face opposition. And in some cases, in some instances, depending on where we are in the globe, the more we stand up for the Lord, the more harsher our consequences may be. Uh, the more crazy people may think we are, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. And if you want to read about suffering, the book of 1 Peter is a good book to do that because Peter talks about that pretty regularly. He talks about what it means to suffer. That's, that's not an uncommon topic for us in the New Testament. And in these verses, he's talking about what good is it in our life, Peter is, if we suffer for doing what's wrong. We should suffer for doing what's wrong. If we endure punishment for something wrong that we've done, well, that's just justice. Justice is being served. There's to be no reward. There's to be no applaud there. Oh, look at you. You're suffering because you did wrong. Well, that's nothing to, to brag about. Uh, sometimes, we, sometimes we suffer in our life, and, and we, we may read verses in, in the Scriptures that say, uh, well, when you're suffering for the Lord, you know, it's a good thing. Well, sometimes we're suffering in our life, but it's not for the Lord. And we need to make sure when we do suffer what we're suffering for. Sometimes we suffer and we say, Oh, God, your word says it's good to suffer for you. And it is good to suffer for the Lord. But sometimes our sufferings are not because we're taking a stand for the Lord. Our sufferings come because we're living in sin. It's not a good thing to suffer for sin. 
And I think that that's kind of the point that Peter's making here. When you do wrong and you're being punished for it and you endure the suffering that's coming your way, well, that's nothing to be celebrated. That should be what happens. There should be justice there. There is punishment for making foolish decisions and living in sin. That type of suffering is not to be praised, but there is a type of suffering that the Scripture says is to be praised. He goes on to say, But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. Now that's a good thing right there. Now sometimes when we do the right thing, we will suffer. Because sometimes we do good things to bad people. We do good things and we try to help people and they do bad things to us in return. We try to do nice things to them and they hurt us in return. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe financially. There are lots of times in our life maybe where we do what is good and we do what is right and bad things happen to us. And that may make us say, you know what? I'm done doing good. That's kind of the natural human response. I think we probably have all had that, probably had that thought in our life. I would venture to say that most everybody in here has probably done something good in your life and you didn't get a good response. And that temptation may be there. Why do I even do good? I'm doing good for nothing. But it's not for nothing. Because when we suffer for doing good, boy, that's a great thing. Because when we suffer for doing good for the Lord, we can sleep at peace at night. We, we can sleep in peace because we know that we've done what God has called us to do. It's never wrong to do the right thing, even if the consequences are going to be bad, even if the consequences are going to be uncomfortable, even if the consequences are going to leave you in harm's way. It's never wrong to do the right thing. Now, God's really been convicting me and, and working on my heart in this very area in the last couple of weeks. And I believe that's exactly what Peter is telling us here. Look, when we do what's good and we suffer for it and we endure for doing what's good, he said, this brings favor with God. It brings favor with God when we do the right thing, when we do the good thing. Now, as Christians, we should always strive to do the good thing. But oftentimes, we may not always do the good thing. We may not do the good thing because we see those consequences and the discomfort that it might bring us. But as Christians, we should serve to do good and we should serve to do right even when it's going to bring us harm. Now, that's a bold statement to say. That's a bold statement. And I don't believe that we get to the point where we can do that unless we are fully trusting in the Lord, unless we are fully content in the Lord. And we need to seek God. We need to seek God's Word. We need to seek to grow in Jesus Christ so that we can love like Jesus loved, so that we can see people the way that Jesus sees people. And when we do that, and when we do the right thing, no matter what the cost, then it's a good thing. And it's a thing that brings us favor with God. But when we don't do the good thing, when we don't do the right thing, when we say, God, that's too hard. God, I can't do that. God, I don't want to do that. Well, I don't believe that brings favor with God. Now, Peter doesn't spell that out for us here, but I, I, I believe it's reasonable to say that based on Scripture that when we are disobedient to God, that does not please God. It does not bring favor for us with God. But what does bring us in good favor with God is when we do good. 
when we endure the suffering for doing good. It doesn't mean that every time we do good, we're going to suffer. It doesn't mean that if you've done something good, you say, well, I'm not suffering. I must have not done nothing good. Well, not every time we do good are we going to suffer. But sometimes we are. And we need to be aware of that, and we need to be ready for that, and we need to be prepared to take that stand for the Lord no matter what the cost. We need to count the cost, and the cost is high. We see that in Scripture. When Jesus called people to follow Him, the cost was high. And we see that time and time again when Jesus says, I want you to sell all your possessions and, and give them to the poor and come follow me as we looked at Sunday. When Jesus says, look, leave, leave, your, leave your father behind. Let the, let the dead bury their dead. Don't worry about those things. When he tells us to hate the things of this world and all of these things, the cost of discipleship to follow Jesus Christ is a high cost. Now, when we come to Jesus and we accept Him as Lord and Savior and we submit to Him, we are saying, God, I have counted the cost and I have considered it good that I am going to serve You no matter how hard it is going to be. It is good, God, because You are good and because You are love, and I have considered the cost, and it may cost me much, but I am ready to give up all that I can to serve You so that I can gain all that You have to give. And I can assure you that when we gain what God has to give, it is far better than anything in this world that we will ever give up. And Peter says here, look, when you do what is good and you suffer, if you endure it, if you endure it, if you endure it, if you don't give up, if you don't say, golly, this is the right thing to do, but God, I just can't do it. We've got to pray that God would strengthen us. We've got to not give up. We've got to not give in. If we endure in doing what is good and doing what is right and doing what God calls us to, this brings favor with God. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying there. I'm not implying that our salvation is works-based. I'm not saying that, 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 that we are somehow a more super-Christian if we do, uh, do more good and that's what earns us our salvation. That's not what I'm implying here. I don't believe that's what Peter's implying or any of the rest of the Scripture for that matter. I do believe that we are called to do good works. It doesn't earn us our salvation. Our salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. But when we follow the example of Christ, we are to do good, we are to know that it leads to suffering, and that is pleasing to God. It doesn't earn us salvation with God, but it does please God, and I do believe that that's what Peter's saying here in verse 21. For you are called to this. Wow, isn't that a, isn't that a kind of a shocking statement? You are called to suffer. For you are called to this because Christ also suffered for you. Listen at this now. Leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. Now, that's pretty bold right there. Peter says you were called to this. Called to what? Well, he's talking about suffering. We were called to suffer. Why? Because when we follow the Lord, it often leads to suffering in our life. Why do we do this? Because Jesus himself has suffered for us. And what, is, what does Peter say about Jesus suffering for us? He said that's the example. That's what we look to. That's who we look to. How should we live our life? What should we do in this, in this situation? What should we do in that situation? What should we do in making this decision? What should we do in making that decision? What should we do? How should we treat that person? How should we treat this person? Even when they do us right, even when they do us wrong, what should we do? How should we live our life? We look to our example. Any situation you're going through in life and want to know how to deal with it, I can promise you, you can look to Jesus Christ and you can see the right way to handle that situation. Now be prepared. The right way is very seldom the easy way. 
When we look at how Jesus handles situations, we may say, oh, you really want me to do that? Like, I'm supposed to do that, Jesus? Like, are you sure? Because oftentimes what Jesus calls us to, what His example was, is a hard example for us to follow, but it's always the right example. We follow His example so that we will follow in His steps, Peter says. Paul gives us very similar instruction in Philippians, if you want to flip to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. Now, Philippians is a very encouraging book. It's, it's one of the most encouraging books, I would say, uh, in all of the New Testament, a relatively short book. Paul has many good things to say about the Philippians in that they are helping him throughout his journeys. He had been in prison. Uh, they had sent Epaphroditus to him, bringing supplies of some sort to help him along his journey and along his way. And Paul is writing to the Philippians to thank them for their support, to thank them for their prayers, to thank them for standing beside him as he is in prison. And in all of the encouraging things he says to them, at the end of chapter 1 in verses 29 and 30, he gives a similar uh, statement as to what Peter says here. For it has been given to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now here that I have. Now, here Paul is telling us a very similar thing to Peter. That is, if we are called to follow Jesus Christ, and we accept that call, and we do follow Him, then it's a call to suffer. It's a call that if we are really living obedient to Jesus Christ, we are inevitably going to experience some type of suffering in our life. It's going to happen, and we can expect it to happen because it happened to Jesus himself. It's happened to Paul. Paul's writing from prison here. He's still just as, it's as happy as he can be in the Lord, even in his difficult circumstances. He's still just praising the Lord all the same. He's content. He's happy, uh, and he's still serving the Lord. And even in the midst of suffering, he's not just telling them this. He's not just pulling out of his mind. Oh, and by the way, you've got to suffer. No, Paul himself is following the example of Jesus by suffering for Jesus, and he's telling the Philippians, look, you need to follow the example of Jesus and know when you do, it's going to lead to suffering. And if you don't believe me, look at my own situation. You have seen how I have suffered for the gospel, and you have heard now even how I am suffering for the gospel. Now, the New Testament's pretty clear. When we are walking in obedience to the Lord, it oftentimes calls sacrifice in our life that we may have to give up something, that maybe we do a little more than we're comfortable with. Maybe we do a little more than we're doing. Or maybe not. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just, I'm just giving you things to think about that I think God's Word tells us. Pray about this. This is between you and the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit convict you should you need convicted. And maybe He is and maybe He is not. But it is good for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to look at our life and ask that question, God... Am I serving you? Am I following that example that Jesus gave? Now, Jesus gave a lot of examples. When it says follow the example of Jesus, that statement covers a lot of ground. Now, we, we follow the example of Jesus and we look at what Jesus did for us. And yes, Jesus did come to die on a cross so that we could be saved, so that we could be delivered, so that we could experience freedom. Praise the Lord for that. Our sins are forgiven by His precious blood that was shed, and we receive grace when we come to Him and accept Him and make Him our Lord and Savior. Jesus came for that, but I don't believe that that's the only reason why Jesus came. 
Yes, his death did accomplish that, but in his life and his death, he did not only accomplish our freedom and our deliverance, but he also gave us an example of how to live. He gave us an example on what we should do and what we shouldn't do. He gave us an example on how to forgive. He gave us an example on how to be humble. He gave us an example on how to love our enemies. Jesus gave us an example after an example after an example of the way we should live our life. And Peter says, look, when we follow that example, be ready for difficulties because hard times may come. Paul says, when you follow that example, be ready for difficulties because hard times may come. And sure enough, hard times came to Jesus. Hard times came to those in the New Testament. And hard times are coming on Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ today all over the world. And hard times may very well have come on you or perhaps they are to come. And perhaps if we are not living in the way that God calls us to, we may be surprised that when we start, things aren't going to go good. But should we start living for the Lord the way we should, if you are already not, and you begin to experience opposition, amen. Praise the Lord. That's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. That's exactly what God's Word said was going to happen. So we need to be prepared as we go out into this world. If we're really going to live for Christ, then we need to be ready for whatever may come our way. I've read a lot of different stories in the last, in the last few weeks about uh, different people that have really given everything to serve the Lord. People who really have a heart for the Lord and they are living out uh, what God's called them to do and they have been able to impact and reach uh, people all over the world by the hundreds, by the thousands, souls uh, that have been saved from people who were unselfish, who were really fully and totally committed to God. Uh, one thing I've noticed through some of my favorite people that I've read throughout church history and some of my favorite preachers and my favorite teachers that I have seen, I have found one thing that's been in common with them. And that is they have all given everything they have had to see God's kingdom grow. They have all had successful ministries. They have all reached thousands if not millions of people. And there's one thing that they had in common. I've noticed throughout the years is that they've all given all that they had. They've given their money. They've given their time. They've given their very life in some cases. They gave everything they had, and as a result of that, they've been able to reach so many people for the Lord. Now, sometimes we say, well, God's not calling all of us to this. God's not calling all of us to do that. Well, we talked about it Sunday. Maybe He is, and maybe He isn't. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord what He's calling you to do. But I do believe that maybe sometimes He is calling us more than what we are doing. Sometimes I think, boy, if God is blessing, uh, blessing uh, Christians who, who maybe are doing only a portion of what He really is calling us to do, just think of how much more blessing would come to those around us for His kingdom if we would do all that He asked us to do. If God is blessing with the little that we give, how much more would God bless with the lot that we give? Now, I'm not speaking strictly financially here. I'm speaking of all that we give and that we can do for the Lord. But there's this common theme with these people, uh, that at least that I've seen in my life, and this theme is that they are willing to give everything that they have, both financially, physically, whatever it may be, for the service of the Lord. 
There's a group of missionaries I've been kind of reading about and studying about the last couple of weeks that uh, back in the 50s went to Ecuador. It was five men. Uh, one of them was named Jim Elliott. One of them was Nate Sane. I don't know the rest of them. I've just kind of focused on those two. And these five men found this remote people that were living in these jungles of Ecuador. These were a murderous people. All they did was kill each other. They believed that they gained strength from killing each other. And these five missionaries said, we are going to reach these people for the gospel. We're going to go and we're going to tell them about Jesus and we're going to change their way of life. We're going to try to reach them and let them know about the Lord. And they went a few times and flew over in their plane and dropped some supplies to try to uh, build some trust with the people. And eventually they landed on a sandbar in the river and these five men were there and they were trying to reach this tribe. Well, long story short, they had some contact and things were going well at first. And eventually the tribe turned on them and speared all five men to death. Now this was a horrible story. This was a super sad situation. But the story didn't end there. If the story had ended there, that would be a sad story. But the story didn't end there. The wives and the children of these men that remained, of course, they were heartbroken. But you know what they did? They went right back to the place where their husbands died. And they went and they loved on those people. And they begin to take care of those people. And would you believe today that those people are God-fearing people? Would you believe today that that tribe and those tribes in that area no longer kill one another, but they worship the Lord? And because of five men that were willing to give everything, because of their wives and their children who were willing to sacrifice everything in the face of fear, saying, look, to lead people to the Lord and to give of what we got is more important uh, than for us just to, to sit back in the shadows and live the safe life. And because they were willing to take that step and willing to live and trust in the Lord, a whole tribe of people have been saved. That's a great story. I told you guys the story a couple of weeks ago about Katie Davis, a young teenage girl that left everything in the States and moved to Africa and is living uh, uh, with, with disease and all of these things that are going on and has given up everything. And she's given up everything for the kingdom of God. And as a result, in 10 years' time, uh, she's been able to build a school. She's been able to bring uh, places for kids to live, provide them food, provide them clothes because of one person that was willing to sacrifice and say, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to do what you call me to do. I think about people like David Eubank and his family that say, God, we're going. We're going right in the middle of the war zone. We're going right in the middle of the fighting. And God, we're going to go. Wherever there's a need, God, we have the opportunity. We have the ability. We're going to go. Burma, we're going to go. Against ISIS, we're going to go. Africa, we're going to go. Wherever it is that the Free Burma Rangers have had the opportunity and the ability, they have gone and they have done God's work. And I look at stories like this and I look at people like this. And I think, golly, these people are really doing what Jesus called them to do. And it's because their heart is in the right place. Now look, every one of us could do exactly what these people did tonight. You could go tonight and you could sell everything you own. You could go to a third world country and you could go to a war zone. But that's not going to make your heart right. Those things that they do did not make their heart right. Those things that they do came because they had a right heart. See, we don't get closer to God by doing those things. We get closer to God, and as we draw and draw closer to Him, those things become part of our life. 
those things that you might be thinking, well, I could never do that. I could never suffer in that way. I could never sacrifice that much. But when we grow in the Lord, when we follow His example, and when we really begin to grow in Jesus and live like He lives, then we begin to do the type of things that He does. And all of those people I just mentioned to you, if you listen to their story, they love it. They wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. They are right where they want to be. They don't look at it as a... As they, not, they don't complain. They don't look at it as hard times. They look at it as serving the Lord. And they are joyful and they are excited to serve the Lord because their heart is on God and they are following the example of Jesus Christ. And I look at those stories and I think, I don't know if my heart's quite there yet. I don't know if I could quite make those steps. I don't know if I could quite give up those things right now and sacrifice and suffer in that way. I don't know that I could do it right now, but I want to do it. I want to get to that point. And I believe God wants all of us as Christians to get to that point where we trust in Jesus so much that nothing else matters, that we trust in Jesus so much that we can leave everything behind, that we can go where God calls us, that we can suffer in whatever ways that we may have to suffer, and at the end of it all, we can say, God, I rejoice in You. And we get to that point not by doing these things. We get to that point by trusting in Jesus Christ with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if we seek to do that, and I hope we all do. If we seek to do that, let's be ready. Let's be ready for what comes because when we seek God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, we may be surprised at what comes. And God may could use us in just as mighty a way. Not that we do it for our own glory. Whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. But is there a way that maybe God wants to use you and maybe you're not allowing Him? Maybe there are some ways in our life, some things that we could do. Some ways that we could serve the Lord that maybe He's calling us to or giving us the opportunity and the ability and we're not doing it. But just think of what God can do if we humbly submit ourselves to Him and are obedient to Him. Just think of what God can do if we do exactly what Peter says and we follow the example of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful example to go by. And that's what we should shoot for. Let's pray. God, we come to You tonight and I thank You for these words, God, and I pray that you would help me to live by them, and I pray that you would help each one in this room to live by them, God. I thank you for these brothers and sisters in Christ we read about and the work that they do, dear Lord, and we thank you for letting them follow Jesus' example. And I pray we'd follow the example of Jesus, and I pray that we'd follow their example, dear Lord, and that they would help us to be bold and help us to be encouraged and help us to be willing to step out and serve you, God. I pray that you bless these that we talked about, this tribe in Ecuador. I pray that you continue to work in their lives, dear Lord, as they've uh, become a tribe that follows you. I pray that you be with the Free Armor Rangers. I pray that you keep them safe, dear Lord. It's not easy what they're doing, dear Lord, and I pray that you just would take good care of Dave and his family and all the rest of the men and women and families that are their servant. And I pray that you get them through the tough days, the days where the suffering's tough. I pray that you give them the strength to get through. God, I pray that you be with Katie Davis and the work that she does and the children that she's been able to reach and families for the gospel, God. And God, there are a thousand more just like them that we don't even know their name, that are serving, that, that nobody knows, God. They're not in the spotlight. They're not making a big deal. But God, they are serving you just the same. And God, we pray for the ones we know and we pray for the ones we don't. I pray for our brothers in Christ that are suffers, or and sisters in Christ, God, that are suffering for you tonight that maybe they're in prison, that maybe they're being beaten. I pray, God, that you would 
just bring joy to their heart, knowing that you are with them, dear Lord. That God, maybe even in their, even in their suffering, you can use them to minister to the ones who are bringing the suffering on them. And I pray, God, that you would help our hearts to, to, to be the heart that's going to seek Jesus more than anything, that's going to trust you with all that we have, dear Lord. I pray that we would open our hearts up to you and let you do the work on them, God. That we would give you full reign and say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I want you to do it. And help us to be ready for the consequences that come with that, God, because you'll rip out those things that shouldn't be there. And God, it kind of hurts sometimes. But God, I pray that you help us to get all the bad out of our heart. And I pray that you fill it with the light of Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.